Welcome everyone to How Winners Win. I am Daniel Blue. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Kita Spears, a.k.a. Hi, Key. What up, winners? What's up, Kita? What's up, winners? It's a beautiful Friday. Kita walked in the office with flip-flops. That's when I know things are going good. And uh, you can't complain with with flip-flops. So if you are not wearing flip-flops at your job or at your business right now, like you might want to reconsider your life, right? (laughs) For sure. For sure. It's definitely the perks of, you know, having a company where results matter more than you know, me having a, a nice suit or some yeah. cufflinks. Yep. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, uh, winners, we're really excited here today. We've got oh, a, yeah. an amazing guest. Um, he's someone that I, I really connected with right off the bat because, you know, I know you guys have, have learned about my story. I overcame Oxycontin, Oxycontin addiction, you know, back in 08. And uh, this guest is just a, a high powered entrepreneur, built a lot of seven figure businesses. And uh, he was a heroin addict. And uh, I really have a ton of respect for people that, you know, come from a place that can beat addiction. It doesn't have to be heroin, you know, there's all forms of, of addiction, right? So he's a, is an overall badass. He's got a company that's called Wi-Fi Wealth. And I'm really excited for our guest to share his story. So Bryson Cox, welcome to the show, brother. What's well, uh, good to see you guys. Yeah, likewise. I, you know what, Keita, I forgot to just tell the audience too that Bryson not only is a badass in business and overcoming addiction, he won a World Series of Poker. <laughs> I saw that notable achievement. I was like, no fucking way. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not an easy feat. You know, none of this is an easy feat. Overcoming an addiction, winning a World Series of Poker, creating an online business that helps people make money. All of these things are not easy things, but definitely stood out to me. When did that happen? Uh, that was 2019. So to be clear, there's there's different events in the World Series of Poker. I did not win the main event. Okay, that would be like <laughs> life the changing. lifetime accomplishment for most poker players. That's like, uh, you know, low and you're probably winning about $8 million or something like that. So that's, that's pretty huge. They have all kinds of different events. Mine was a circuit event. It was just a ring for the for the for uh, for one of the events, but still a really cool accomplishment. You know, it's kind of the the feather in my cap where I can go and I walk into a poker room and if I'm wearing that ring or people they're talking like, Oh, he has a ring. People are like, Oh man, you have a ring. So it's kind of that badass thing as a poker player where it's like, yeah, you know, no big deal. Right. Like just want a ring. No biggie. Damn. Probably helps with your hands too. <laughs> Intimidation. Yeah. For, for real. What's your best poker story? Oh, well it was when I won my ring. Yeah. It was when I won my ring. So, uh, we were down to about 10, I think we were down to 10 or 12 people. No, we we're down to 10 people. We had to get down to nine to get to the final table. So it's like, we got to go through one more guy to get to the final table. And I had never been to a final table of any world series of poker event and five handed. I looked down at pocket Kings, which is the second best starting hand and five handed. That's like, that's about as good as it's going to get other than pocket aces and uh so i let out and bet this other guy raises me i re-raise him and he shoves all in and i'm just like like is this real right now like i mean and in my head i'm like there's there's only really like maybe two hands that this guy has that i beat but there's really just like i mean uh, like aces, that's it. That's the only hand that beats me. And I sat there and I thought, and I thought, and I thought, finally I was like, 
All right, man. If you got pocket aces, good for you. And I and I call and I flip my cards over, and he goes, "Yeah, I got aces." And he has aces over. And I'm just like, oh. you know, what are the chances? And then the flop comes, the first three cards come. Now, you know, just all blank. The turn comes, it's another blank. So I have two cards in the deck that are going to save me. And then literally, bing, on the river, there's the king. So it was just like. There it is, right? And here, here's here's an even an even better part about that story. I'll tell you guys, and I really truly hope my wife doesn't watch this podcast because I've never told her this because she would kill me. So my church was doing a fundraiser for our new church, and I prayed about it, and I prayed about it, and I prayed about it, and I had this eight thousand uh, dollars that was my poker bankroll, and God really put it on my heart to to donate that money. And I went back and forth for like two weeks about it. I'm like, well, maybe I'll just donate four grand. Right. Like maybe I'll just donate four. And then like each day I would kind of work up the number and I'm like, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll sit. And finally it gets to be the day where I donate. And I'm like, all right, you know what? Fuck it. Like I'm going to donate the whole $8,000. So I donate the whole $8,000 and part of it is like, God is always going to give you back more than what you've given. So two weeks later I'm at that event and I'm not even kidding you. Like I just felt God's presence in my life through the whole entire tournament. And then I hit that card, hit that can and make it to the final table. And it was the most surreal experience because I just knew that I was going to win. Like I just knew. And then I just ran through everybody else win the ring. And I just like, I, I broke down tears because like, I just, I'm one of the chances that I've never won a ring, right? I've never made it that far. I donate this money. And then two weeks later, the first poker tournament that I play in, it's like, Here's all of it back and then some. So that's probably my best poker story. Wow. That was fire. <laughs> I was not expecting, you know, you to, cause like you said, the, you know, pocket kings yeah. and if he's got pocket aces, I mean, you, like you said, it was mono a mono. You need to get one, through one more person before you make it to the final table where the dreams come true. And right. lo and behold, and if think about right. it, if you didn't call him, if you didn't agree and have faith in your hand, you wouldn't have been able to find out even if he had pocket aces. You know, so there's so many different parallels. Yeah. How does like poker and that resilience and faith kind of play into your business life? Yeah. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, it's like the mental toughness that you have to have in business, in life. And then, and I think that's why I like poker so much because it's not just, I have cards. Okay. Let me play them. And then, Oh, I got lucky or I didn't get lucky there's so much of a mental side of it where I'm battling against somebody else at the poker table and trying to outwit them. And like, it's just, there's, yeah. It, it, and, and in business and in life, it's just the same thing, right? It's like, I'm constantly having to think multiple steps ahead because with, you know, if I make a move in business, I have to think, okay, well, what's three steps ahead if I do that particular thing and poker is kind of the same. So yeah, to your point, it's there, there's definitely parallels for sure. When, uh, if we kind of rewind the tape, Bryson, what, uh, what led you to heroin? What, what, how'd you go down that path? <clears throat> well, very similar to you, right? It was, uh, you know, uh, Oxycontin really is where I got started. I had, uh, when I was 18, I got shot and I had a bullet go in my shoulder all the way from my neck, stop on my jaw and uh, tore apart the carotid artery in my neck. And, uh, wow. you know, I had like a, I, I got a, 
I got a cool scar on my neck right here. And I got another one where they had the breathing tube in my throat. They got another one right here where they took the bullet out and uh, just not living the right way. Right. I was not living the right type of lifestyle when I was 18. We can just go ahead and say that. He, for was, sure. he was listening but, to 50, uh, 50 cent mini men, <laughs> mini men. Oh, bro. Yeah. <laughs> for real. Wow. Yeah. That was 1996. So that was like Pete Tupac, Biggie, you know, like, yeah, yeah, gangster rap, right? Yeah, that was definitely in 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 uh, in, in my wheelhouse for sure. But uh, yeah, no, that happened, and then extremely lucky to be alive. You know, the doctors that, that did the surgery on the trach and and on my neck. I mean, they were just, but they both said the same thing. They're like, "We'll do this surgery once in 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 our career, and the person will live." Like, it's just you don't you don't get your carotid artery blown out and live through that. It's just you just don't and. Uh, so, you know, and they told me, they're like, look, if you don't believe in God, you should start because like, he clearly has a purpose for you on this planet. And, uh, at that point I didn't, it didn't, I mean, it, it registered, but it didn't fully register. And then, you know, short, what, probably three years after that. And I had, you know, kind of gone through the, the beginning stages of drug addiction, which started with, you know, a lot of cocaine and, and, uh, different things like that. And, uh, you know, of course it first started with smoking pot and then alcohol and then it moves on to bigger stuff. But, uh, and then I was like, I went to the doctor cause I had pain in my shoulder and they were like, and I told them the story, like I just told you guys. And they were like, Oh my God, here you go. And, I could just, I mean, it was literally that easy for me. I didn't have to, you know, make up some, you know, like my lower back hurts or anything like that. So that kind of got me started on the path of the addiction. And then for the first time that I went to treatment, I think I was 25 years old. So uh, 25 years old, go to, go to treatment and then get out kind of sort of really, you know, didn't do most of what they, they taught in there. Cause that's just, you know, I knew everything about everything. Um, and then it just progressed from there. I mean, it just progressed. It was like every time I went to treatment, my life was a little bit worse and my bottom was a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. And then I got to the point when I think I was like 29 was the first time that I tried heroin. And at that point, Oxycontin was a lot harder to get. And it was just, you know, that was heroin was the thing. And I think that's a story for a lot of people is I started doing pills and I got on heroin and uh that's when my life just you know spiraled out of control from there i mean it was really truly like for me my bottom was uh i was living in an abandoned house shooting heroin and i had the clothes on my back i mean literally that's what i had i had a sweatshirt some jeans a t-shirt and a pair of shoes and living in an abandoned house that was condemned and being torn down because it had asbestos in it like that's uh that's where my my addiction took me gosh so to turn turn that around so like the was there like a point when you're sitting in that abandoned house, you know, asbestos breathing it in, possibly getting mesothelioma, yeah. mesothelioma, you know, where, was there a point where yeah. you like wanted to turn your life around right then? Or did, was there a, another defining moment after that? Oh, I had wanted to get out for a really long time, but I had just burned every bridge. I mean, nobody wanted anything to do with me. My mom was done with me about two years prior to that. She was just like, I'm not helping you out anymore. Um, and really, I think I just, I, I had no friends. I had really no connection to any other human being on this planet. It was just like, um, but I was stuck and I, and I, I didn't, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to get out. I just didn't know what to do. And I really, I wanted to do something different. And then uh, I ended up, uh, I ended up getting arrested for shoplifting alcohol. And that was, you know, 2009, 
March 10th, 2009. And, uh, I ended up going to jail. I remember getting, uh, in the back of the cop car and I thanked the cop. I was like, dude, like, thank you. I said, this might sound worth a thank you. And it was just because I knew that I was going to have a roof over my head. I would have meals. I wouldn't have to worry about decisions. I wouldn't have to worry about, you know, like where I was going to go and what I was going to do. And, and that's just where my journey started. It was, you know, March 11th, 2009 um, was, was my, or was my sober birthday. And so then that was from there on out, it was just like, okay, like I really am going to try and do this thing and, and really turn my life around. Sober work day. What is it? What does that mean? I think he said sober birthday. Yeah. Oh, sober birthday. I thought I said sober work time. I go, so you clock yeah. in now. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no birthday. I love it. I love nice. it. That's awesome. Marcella. So you just, you did that just passed not too long ago. It's you know, April 1st. We're time of this recording. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, you know, as goes with like drug addiction and whatnot, I had a, like a small relapse during COVID where I was disconnected from the program. Wasn't going to meetings wasn't sponsoring guys, wasn't doing the stuff that I was going to do. And it was for a very short period of time. Um, but you know, it, it happens, right. It's like, uh, I look at like what I, yeah, I would have just come up. I think I would have had 13 years. Is that right? I would have 13 years. So, um, you know, and, and it's, it's all good. I, I was actually really grateful for, uh, the experience in, in the relapse because, you know, sometimes you need to reset and I had gotten so conditioned to doing things a certain way and kind of, gotten away from the things that really brought me true happiness, which was, you know, helping others, sponsoring guys, you know, just all the stuff that I had done way back in the very beginning. So it was, it was honestly one of the best things that ever happened to me because it just made me reassess everything that I was doing in my life and make sure that I got my priorities back in order. Um, but, but yeah, no, and it's, you know, it's, it's all happened. So I didn't beat myself up over it. You know, it's just one of those things you dust yourself off and keep, keep on trucking. So Hey man, no, no one's perfect. You know, it's, uh, yeah, this is, we got to remind ourselves that I know social media can, uh, Makes can it look easy. Yeah, definitely. Um, where, where does, uh, the spiritual side come out on, in all of this? Cause I, I really love that you're a God fearing person and, uh, yeah. you know, I don't care if you believe in Allah, God, the creator. I mean, I, I do truly believe that there's a higher power out there. So, yeah. you know, how, how did you find the spiritual side in, in your journey? Yes. So, you know, it's, it's interesting because like, I didn't grow up in a religious home, right? Like my, my mom and, and uh, my stepdad, which were the, the parental figures in my life, like they never went to church. And, uh, but I always kind of knew I'd gone to church with friends a couple of times and had been to like, like Bible, uh, you know, you go away for like a week to like, you know, Bible camp or whatever. And so I had, I had had a little bit of exposure to God and I, I believed in God. And, uh, but I just, I, I never really had that real connection with him because drugs and alcohol had just uh, kind of severed that connection for, for so many years. And then when I ended up getting sober back in 2009, you know, part of the, the 12, the biggest part of the 12 steps in the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous is just, it's getting connected to a higher power. And so the way that it was explained to me by my sponsor at the time was like, look, like, if you think you can do this on your own without a higher power, like good luck, because what has that gotten you so far, right? How many years have you tried to do this just on your own, on, on your, on your own accord, on your own will. And, and it hasn't worked. And so I was like, okay, so I just really surrendered and I started just praying every single day. Um, and then really just, just turning things over to God. Right. And over the last 13 years, 
it's consistently been, there's been spurts in there. I mean, prior to the relapse, there was definitely about a six month period in there where I was more disconnected from God just because I wasn't doing the stuff that I probably should have been. But other than that, throughout the, the last 13 years, it's, you know, I just, I, I, I put God number one in my life and I, I just, I focus on my relationship with him. And then, you know, not that like my relationship with my friends or my wife or people like that aren't important. They definitely are. But uh, for me, it's just when I put God first and everything else follows after that, my life is just so much more complete and I just feel better in my soul. And then my priorities are more aligned with what God wants me to do versus like what, what I want to do. So, um, but yeah, no, I'm, I mean, definitely in terms of the spirituality and, and God, I mean, I just, I pray every day. I spend about 30 minutes with God every morning. I spend about 30 minutes with God every single night. And that's just been a consistent thing that, that I do. And because of that, like, I mean, I have a life that I have today. Like I wouldn't have any of this if it wasn't, if it wasn't for God, I'd like really truly. It's just, you know, people ask me how I got to where I'm at today. Well, how did you pull out of all that? How did you, you know, how did you, uh, you know, manage to have a life you have today? And I, I quit. It's two things. It's God and it's hard work. And that's it. Yeah. yeah. I love that faith really does a good job of killing your ego. And I think you do a great yeah. job of exemplifying <laughs> yeah. that, you know, because for 18 year old Bryson, you couldn't tell him shit. You know, he thought mm-hmm. he, he thought he knew everything and it took, yeah. you know, over 10 years for you to find out, damn, I don't know nothing. And I got to oh. start all over, unlearn all this bullshit that I've been sticking in my head thinking I know what to do or, you know, kind of like, you know, my mom would say cocking your leg up to piss, you know, but then yeah. you realize, damn, I don't know anything. And it sounds like faith also was that key point as well. When you just surrendered yourself, that ego tends to die. And then when you get out of alignment with that, like you mentioned, you know, you can feel it. Things start domino affecting, but then when you get back in alignment and that ego mm-hmm. dies, I feel like you start to blossom even more. And I understand that with your business, your whole purpose is to give back and to help people. You know, so it sounds like faith has kind of helped you with your business model as well. Can you talk to the winners about, you know, how you help with Wi-Fi wealth and how you help help people make money online? Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. And, and for me, like the foundation of, of our company really, truly was built on not like, OK, we want to get into business to make a whole bunch of money. Like, don't get me wrong. I mean, I need money to pay my bills. I need money to do the things that I want to do, of course. But we really built it on the foundation of if we put helping people first and the mindset of, okay, who can I help today? And we look at that, then we're going to flourish. And so that's really what we preached in our culture, right? From the very beginning, it was like, okay, who can we help today? Like, what can we do for others? And uh, the whole whole model behind it is really, you know, we, we, we build, uh, we build Amazon uh, storefronts for people, right? So we basically set them up a seller central account within Amazon and then uh, find products and put them in their store. And then obviously uh, manage and run the listing and, and actually do it for them. But I think what it allows us in terms of helping people is that the vast majority of people that come on board with our business, there's no way they would be able to do this on their own. They're just not like they don't have the knowledge and, and the skills to be able to set everything up that we actually set up. So I'll give you guys a really good example. So um, 
you know, it's not even so much the people that are like making the big money that I look at. It's more the people that are like living on social security. Maybe they have a pension. They're making like $3,000 a month. And that's like, that's all the money that, that they have. And then they put their trust in our company and they sign up with us. And then we turn around and we get, you know, six months, nine months, a year down the road, whatever the time frame is. Right. And all of a sudden they're making like, three, four, five thousand dollars a month. And let's just say for conversation's sake, it's only three thousand dollars a month. Well, for that, for that person or that couple, we've doubled their income, right? And and this is these are, you know, that that this particular instance is, you know, the, the people that I'm thinking about, you know, they're they're literally in like, I think they're their late sixties or early seventies. And it's not like they can go back out into the job force and just go and work a whole bunch. So being able to make an impact like that where I can double somebody's income and it opens all these doors for them where now all of a sudden they're able to go and maybe travel a little bit more or, you know, they're able to, you know, go see their grandkids more often or just buy other things that they're not able to buy. I mean, when you're on an income like that, it's like, well, shoot, we really, you know what, we can't buy ice cream this week. Maybe we'll get it next week. I mean, it's like little things like that. So I think for me, it's like those type of people and those type of stories are the ones that really make what we do in business really worth it because it really is giving back and it really truly is helping people. I love that. When did you find Amazon? Obviously, it's a monster and you, know, you guys are doing a, have a great business. When did you guys find it? Uh, we've been doing it for a little over six years now. So we've been doing it quite a while. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of the companies out there have been doing it for like, you know, a year or two and they, they kind of the saw the, whatever. what's that? A lot of companies started during the pandemic, truly last two, three yeah, years. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you get like, oh, hey, Amazon, everybody's on Amazon. How do we make money with Amazon? And they jump into it. So, but no, we, we, we've been doing it for quite a while. We would, I, I guess we would consider ourselves experts uh, <laughs> after the amount of time we've been doing it. Nice. Yeah. With, uh, you know, that's a real big difference guys. Like when you're looking to do business with somebody, you know, obviously a track record really matters and, uh, you know, six years is a long time to be doing something. So, uh, you definitely want to go check out price and stuff. You know, we'll give you guys all the links in the show notes, um, and, and tell you guys where to go, um, to learn more about what he's doing. I wanted to get into your, your wife because, you know, I think it's awesome that you guys run uh, a show together. You've got the business together and, and she's got quite the story. I understand that, uh, you know, she overcame the odds of growing up in, in the foster care system and then, uh, you know, getting a full ride scholarship to Seattle University and then working for a prestigious law firm. And then here she is, you know, probably the real CEO of the company calling the shots. I'm not talking shit, Bryson. <laughs> I'm married. So I know my place. Um, women, yeah. women run this world, man. Women are amazing. So um, I'm, I'm probably going to speak for you. I'm, I'm sure you credit a lot of your success to your badass wife as well. So um, what's it like working with her, man? And, and, you know, maybe if you can share some of the, the stories that you've heard from her with, you know, her overcoming her, her odds. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, she, uh, she's definitely the, the backbone, uh, you could say, right. She's the, the great part about it is that she's good at all the stuff that I'm not good at, right. Or all the stuff that I don't want to do. She's definitely not like me. She's not like super vocal, uh, more, more of an introvert for sure. But you know, her thing is like, 
spreadsheets and numbers and again like all the stuff that like I really have no interest in and she's definitely really 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 good with money uh, I like to spend money so uh, having her be the kind of the the, the bookkeeper I guess uh, is part of the reason why we uh, still have money because uh, otherwise I'd be like, yeah, let's go to the UFC this weekend. Sit in the front row. Let's go. Which uh, I did a lot of before uh, before we got together. Not 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 so much now. But uh, no, she's she's awesome. I mean, the thing with working with your wife is it's one of the 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 greatest experiences. But it can also be obviously challenging because you know we we're so close and it's not like we have your normal uh, uh, owner employee relationship, right? We're kind of uh, I would like to say that we're equal in the business, but, uh, you know, she usually wins most of the arguments when it comes to business. So, um, but, uh, but no, she, she definitely, her story is one of, of overcoming the odds as well. You know, she grew up in the foster care system. She was five and uh, her, her mom and dad just bounced, like left her and her two sisters at the house and, and, uh, they were there alone and eventually uh, some neighbors kind of figured out what was going on and, and uh, you know, called the authorities CPS stepped in and then she bounced around in foster care uh, until she was about 12 years old. And then her, uh, her foster mom from the time she was 12 until 18, Angela was the one that, uh, you know, she gave her more of a, a stable home to live in. And, and so she had like a little bit more structure and things like that, rather than just bouncing from home to home. And I mean, you can look at the foster care system in general, and I'm sure that you can look at the odds and the odds are definitely stacked against the kids in the foster system. You know, they're there. It's extremely difficult. There's a, a lot of issues with behavioral type stuff and, and things like that. And, you know, she definitely beat the odds. She was able to uh, get straight A's through school. Uh, she got a full ride scholarship to Seattle University, which is like a very prestigious school in Seattle. And then uh, she immediately after college got a uh, Got a, got a job at a, a prestigious law firm, like a really well-known criminal defense uh, firm in, in Seattle and worked for, uh, worked for them, did an incredible job. And then just at some point she said, man, you know, I think like a lot of entrepreneurs, it was like, well, do I really want to do this for the rest of my life and just continue to work for somebody else and continue to make somebody else money? Or do I want to try something and go out on my own? And, you know, she went out on her own. Her first business was a complete flop. Like she it completely failed and, and uh, she learned a lot from it. And, and, and then after that, uh, she started another company that was a little bit more successful. And then her and I ended up getting together. And from there on out, it was just like the perfect tandem. And, and she definitely has taught me a tremendous amount in business, like just things where, you know, how important culture is and just, uh, I mean, just like the, the, the finite things where the edges were probably a little bit rough for me in terms of business and helped me really smooth those out and round everything out. And that's, I mean, realistically why, uh, we were able to start Wi-Fi wealth. And I, I feel like it's been so successful. We, we, we wouldn't be where we're at today. I mean, obviously, you know, I play a role in it, but we really wouldn't be where we're at today without my wife. So, hey, shout out to her <laughs> dealing with the madness and also oh, building it. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's really the real hack in life, man. Is if you can find 
a partner, a spouse that is just your ride or die. And, uh, you know, can, can do a lot of the things that, that Bryson just said, like, man, life, life is just so much easier. Um, on the, the scaling of a few businesses, I know you've been able to take some businesses to seven figures, you know, in a relatively short time, you know, about a year or less, what have been some things that helped you make that happen? Oh, good question. Uh, so I'll tell you when, when I started my first company and I got really, really successful, the, the biggest thing that I learned was that, uh, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room, right? That, that, that for me was probably the, the number one thing that I learned. I, I had, uh, I had eight guys in a day walk into my office and these were some of my top guys and they literally, this was before Wi-Fi wealth. And they said, they said, Hey, listen, we love you and we still want to work with you, but we just don't want to work for you. You're not willing to listen input. Uh, you, 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 you always, it's, 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 it's your way or the highway. And they were like, we just, we can't continue to support that. You know, we have some really good ideas. We feel like, you know, ABC, X, Y, and Z should have been done, but you did, you know, QRS, TUV, right? It just, you did different things. And some of the things that decisions that I made um, were wrong. And if I would have listened to those guys, we would have gotten different results and and probably our our lives and business would have been a little bit easier. So I I think that that is a huge, huge, huge thing. It's like surround yourself, because here's the thing, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong fucking room. Like seriously, you got to surround yourself with people that have what you want. You got to surround yourself with people that have more than you have. And then really most importantly, you have to be willing to listen to input from these people, no matter how painful it may be. And that for me was probably the biggest lesson that I I learned really early on was that, uh, and then uh, probably some other stuff I would say, I mean, you know, obviously, again, not, not being the smartest person in the room, uh, having a mentor business or even all the way through business, uh, you know, my mentor that I would consider right now is this gentleman named Clint Jameson. Um, he is super, super, I mean, like stupid uh, good at what he does. Like he, he jokes and calls himself like the Michael Jordan of what he does. But like, here's the thing he deals in real estate acquisition for like uh, off market properties, like really highly trafficked, you know, just incredible locations that aren't for sale and goes in there and basically negotiates to buy these properties and then just leases land to major businesses and just makes a killing doing it. And so that's a guy where I don't even know what his net worth is. It's, it's a lot, right? And so that's a guy where having him as a mentor and being able to go to him and say, hey, man, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? And then he can start kind of poking holes in it because I'm not going to see all the angles, no matter how badly I want to believe that I see everything. Like the reality is there's going to be stuff that, I, that I'm going to miss. So I think definitely having a mentor that you can bounce stuff off of is huge. Uh, the, the other thing, and this is, this is super important too. I would say that you, you can't be afraid to fail, right? You, you just can't be afraid to fail. When I started my first company, I had a job that was paying me six figures. I'm making 
150 to $250,000 a year, which is pretty comfortable money. And I just looked at what the guy that owned the company was doing. And I said, I feel like I can do what this guy does, but I can do it better. And so I just, for nine months straight, my life consisted of wake up in the morning, go to work, go to the gym after work, go home and work on the business. And then on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday was spent working on the business. And for nine months, I didn't have a life. And that was all through the summer in Seattle. Let me tell you, you get three months out of the year to go enjoy it in Seattle. Other than that, it just freaking rains. It's, it's, it's awful. So I didn't have a summer and uh, you know, I just knew. And when I, when I launched and, and, and I went and talked to my boss and I was like, Hey, look, I'm going to leave and here's what I'm going to do. He highly encouraged me to go do it because, you know, it, he, he wanted me to at least try. And if I failed, of course, I could come back. He would welcome me back with open arms. That might not be everybody's situation. But I just knew I didn't want to be 70 years old, sitting there on Social Security and a pension and maybe my retirement, thinking back to my early 30s and saying, man, I wish I would have taken the shot. So I think it's really important that people have that mentality of you just can't be afraid to fail. You can't. And if you fail the first time, and I know it sounds kind of cheesy, like, but it's the truth. Like you got to pick yourself up. You got to dust yourself off and you just got to keep going. You got to just try and you got to try again. And like, not everything I've done has been successful. I've lost millions of dollars in trying new stuff in business, but I'm willing to shoot the shot. And I think that that is really, really important. So those are, those are probably, I think, the, the three most key things that, that I would say are, have, you know, have kind of resonated with me in business and that I've learned uh, through the years. Man, that was, that was really, really good, dude. That was, uh, that was something where guys like rewind that and uh, watch that, listen to that a couple of <laughs> times, because I mean, I can only imagine how you felt when your eight employees told you that, like how I'm sure initially you were probably pissed, but then, yeah. you know, you get past that and you're like, holy cow, like maybe they are right. There's freaking eight of them and there's one of me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know for sure. So one of them was, uh, was my best friend, Jamie. And uh, he was actually supposed to be in, uh, in our wedding. He was one of my groomsmen. And then that whole thing happened. And so it was like a double whammy for me. It was like, dude, you're my best friend. You're supposed to be in my wedding, yada, yada, yada. And then of course these guys all leave. And so it was like a double gut punch. And, um, you know, at the time I was just like, how dare they? Like, I just, you, you guys left me, you're not loyal, yada, yada, yada. But then over the course of time, what ends up happening is it, I process it. Right. And then I start to really look at my part. And I think in life in general, not just in business, when you have things that happen, especially conflict of some of some kind, I think there's a lot of people that just want to put on their armor and just be like, not my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. And you want to bury that flag in the ground and just, this is my stance. And you don't want to look at your part. And so I think for business and just life in general, where we experience the most growth if we're able to is when I can look at what I did. Right. And I can say to myself, all right, let me have not sympathy, right. But empathy and empathy is really like, let me completely put myself in this other person's shoes. 
and feel what they feel and look at it from a different lens and really look at it from just how they're seeing it. And it took me a while to get there with that situation. I mean, it took me probably a year and a half. Like it was a long time. But when I finally got there and I looked at it, I will tell you this. It was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. And the reason that I say that is because it made me really look at myself and my behaviors and where I was wrong. And it allowed me to grow just tremendously to where I'm at now. So, so I can look at things and I can, I can take input from people and I can say, not just like in one ear and out the other, I can actually listen to what people are saying and I can go, you know what? I should maybe put some stock in that. And because of that, because of that experience, it was, it was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me in life. And it was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me in business simply because it, it changed this, right? It changed my mindset. It changed how I look at things. So, I mean, there's growth out there and everything, right? But it's, I have to be willing to look at my part. Yeah. And I love that point because at the end of the day, you know, winners, the only thing that you can control is your actions. You know, you couldn't control any of the eight things that made them come to you and what they felt or anything like that at the time. The only thing that you could ever control was how you reacted to it and what you're going to do afterwards. And no matter how long it takes for you to process it, it's as the key point is doing something about it afterwards. And that's what you did. And you take it with you in business for the rest of your life. And now we see the success with Wi-Fi Wealth. That was just one of your businesses that you've had over the years. And now you flipped it and right. turned turn the volume up even more and you got an even bigger business. Are you friends with yeah. them now? Did you guys ever reconcile? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I mean, not all of them. <laughs> but uh, not all of them. Uh, I'm cordial with them, right? The, the friendships, I think, with, with some of them were uh, just, I don't want to say damaged beyond repair, but... It just, uh, I kind of prioritize things differently, but Jamie, who was, uh, you know, supposed to be in our wedding and all that, like him and I are super close. Like he plays a lot of poker. Uh, I talk to him multiple times a week and we've been able to repair our relationship. Like we're going, uh, we're planning a, a trip to Texas in, uh, in early May to go play in a big, huge poker tournament. He's in Washington state. Obviously I'm in Arizona. So I don't really get to see him as much as I would like, like in, in person. Uh, but yeah, we, we, we communicate on, on a regular basis. Him and I are definitely, uh, the, the relationship has been repaired and I would say that it's, you know, as strong as it's ever been. Nice. Nice. It always, it hits different when you get advice or critiques from people that you respect. Yeah. Well, my wife has no problem with that. Let me tell you. So. <laughs> She's like, you love me. You gotta listen to this. Yeah. We, we got <laughs> She'll hit me with it. Yeah. Unfiltered. So we got to get her booked on the show, man. I think that'd be uh, oh, very, that's the it, part would be, too, it, would be, it would be a six minute show. Okay. She would <laughs> be word answers. So. Uh, I love it. I love it. What, um, you know, one thing that stuck out when you were talking earlier about, you know, how you relapsed and, you know, I really appreciate you being, you know, very, very just trans, you know, transparent with, with the audience. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people can relate to that in the sense of, Okay, you're you're doing something for a while now, right? Maybe you're putting out content, maybe you're hitting the gym, maybe you're eating right, you know, maybe you're not surrounding yourself with toxic people. Like you're just doing something consistently and it's a good thing that you've been doing it, but then you fall off the wagon, right? We've all we've all been down that road. Yep. So, what were some things that you did to get back on the wagon? 
Oh, let's see. Uh, well, I, I guess probably the first thing was that I just, I had to admit defeat, right? I had to admit that the path that I had been going down was just destruction. And well, it wasn't destruction yet, but that's where I was going to be headed. I mean, again, the relapse was very, very brief, but I knew what was waiting down there for me. And so I think just admitting defeat and just being able to accept that. And again, this is, this is the problem, right? I think with, with a lot of people is I just, I put it all on my shoulders, right? And I'm like, I can do this. I got this. And the reality is, is that there's not really truly a lot of stuff that I can do successfully on my own, right? My company, I can't do it on my own, right? I, I have a guy that carpools with me uh, in the mornings and we were talking about that this morning. And I said, I'm just one component of this. I can't do this without all of you guys. So I think that accepting defeat and then saying, I, I need help with this, right? I need, I need help and I need uh, other people to be there and I need to lean on other people. And, and a lot of that was, uh, you know, my best friend, Danny, uh, who he's not an addict, right? He's somebody where, super successful poker player. Uh, he's got a, a company, uh, no, no tilt and poker tables where, you know, he's a totally, that would be a guy for you guys to have on your show, by the way, he would kill it. He's got the most amazing beard, by the way. Um, and, <laughs> but like, he's a guy where I really leaned on him, super successful entrepreneur. Um, and I leaned on him and even though he didn't understand addiction, he was like, I think the most important thing that he did for me was he just wrapped his arms around me. He's like, listen, bro, I love you. God loves you. My, my wife and kids love you. Your wife loves you. Like, we're here for you. And that, that they, they just circled the wagons and uh, wrapped their arms around me. Um, you know, and then my sponsor, Richie Chapman, you know, he's another guy where he was just like, look, bro, like you're defeated and here's the roadmap out. And so I think just really leaning on other people and then just getting back into the program. You know, I got back into the program. I started going to meetings again, um, worked back through the 12 steps, but it was really just leaning on the people that were around me. And then the most important component to it was I, I got reconnected with God. I mean, that was, that was the thing that just took me from, oh shit, I'm in trouble. This isn't good to, I'm on the other side of this very quickly. And my life, like my life wasn't bad. Don't get me wrong. Like I didn't lose a bunch of stuff. I didn't lose a bunch of money. My business didn't fall apart, but it was like, it was like, I went from just, I didn't like the way I felt inside and, and the path was just going to be utter chaos if I didn't stop to complete and total relief because I relied on God and the people around me. I love that. Yeah, dude, you're uh, and you're an amazing person, man. And uh, you know, I really, really appreciate how transparent you you've been with the audience because, like, those three things they apply to everybody, right? Like, you are in a funk. Okay, number one, admit that you're in a funk, right? Like, admit that you're defeated. Just because you lost the battle doesn't mean you lost the war, right? And then number two, have some damn faith. And then number three, like, don't do it alone, right? Like, lean on some some other people. Um, I think it's really hard for people to lean on other people because I think it makes them feel weak that they don't want to admit that defeat. 
you know, so. Yeah, um, I, w- I was going to piggyback off of that, that point right there. It's to me, the hardest part of entrepreneurship and life and being a man in general is asking for help. I was going to ask you, do you, do you yeah. find yourself still struggling asking for help? Uh, I mean, maybe at times, right? Like I, I, I think I try to, to, uh, bear the burden of the, the world on my shoulders and especially with, uh, like in my marriage and, and in business, right? Like as a man, I'm supposed to be the leader, right? And I'm supposed to make good decisions and just lead and, and, and just make sure that, uh, we're successful, right? Not only in our marriage, but in our business and in life. And my wife is going to follow me through that. And, and she has, right? And so I think sometimes I, 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 I struggle a little bit with that, right? Where I, I maybe don't lean on other people or don't ask for help probably as much as I should. But the good thing is, is that I'm able to recognize it, right? Like I'm able to recognize it when it starts to happen and I start to get overloaded or, like it takes a lot to get me overwhelmed. So I don't know that I get there, but if I start to get overloaded, that's when I know. And most of the time that comes to me just realistically guys through prayer when I'm praying and I can just, you know, I can feel God just being like, Hey dude, like time to ask for help with this particular thing or time to just ask for help in general. So, I mean, I'm a man, right? So uh, (laughs) I don't know that I'm ever going to be perfect in terms of asking for help. But um, I think the key for me is just knowing when I get to that point to where I really do need help to not continue to pile it on and not, uh, not get overwhelmed, right? Overloaded maybe, and then ask for help. But just when I start to feel like I'm getting overwhelmed to say, okay, where do I need help? And then just reaching my hand out and asking. Yeah. Yeah. So something I think everyone struggles with, especially myself. So that was a great, great response. Yeah, man. So, so many gems yeah. dropped in, in this interview, man. This is definitely one of my, my most favorite interviews for sure. And I'm obviously a little bit biased because I'm talking to a, a fellow addict that kicked heroin's ass and, uh, Not yeah. kicks business's ass. you know, <laughs> just t- taking names, man, taking names and, uh, you know, going down the road. So I know the, the winners really got a lot of value out of this. Um, and, and winners like definitely go follow Bryson. He's got obviously an amazing story, um, a great business. He can help you guys in a lot of different ways. Where is the best place for for people to learn more about you? Connect with you? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's either either you can go to our website if you want to check us out, wifiwealth.com. Uh, if I would say that probably the best way to connect with me is just go to Instagram. It's Mister Dot Wealth. Somebody else has the name Wi-Fi Wealth, and they got like thirty-one followers. So dude, I really wish they did. Dude, it's messed up, man. It is, bro. Someone yeah. has Daniel Blue, and it's some kid out in Europe that's never posted. And yeah. I DM'd him, like asking him, like, "Dude, I'll pay you. Like, how much do you want?" And nothing. Like, come <laughs> yeah. on. I lost his password. Thing. It's an account that's not active, and it probably never will be active. But yeah, <laughs> Mister Dot Wi-Fi Wealth. And I would say to you know anybody whether they have questions about business. Uh, they have questions about like what we do and they're thinking like, Hey man, that, that sounds awesome. You know, I'm, I want to get involved with Amazon. You know, I'd love to talk to him or just like life stuff in general. Right. Like, uh, they have questions in business or something like that. Like obviously you guys can see I'm an open book and, and my whole mission here is to obviously help people. So if there's anybody out there that, uh, needs help with you know business or, 
life or anything like that, man, just hit me up on Instagram and, uh, and I'll, I'll get back with you. I'd be more than happy if the, the situation calls for it. I'll even get on a call with you and we can, we can talk, but yeah, I'm, I'm here to help, man. That's why, that's why God put me on this planet. That's why I survived, you know, when I was 18 getting shot and all that, like, you know, it's a miracle that that happened. And so the least that I can do for God and the people of this world is just to give back and help as many people as I can. Man, I freaking love it, dude. I'm I'm fired up right now. Yeah, man. That was that was uh that was awesome. And yeah. and I know you're not playing around when you say that. So guys, go check out uh Bryson's uh Instagram. We'll we'll drop down his handle in the show notes. And then um, you know, he's done an awesome job with his Instagram. He's got uh three hundred and thirty three thousand followers on Instagram. So I know he does a, a great job with his brand, his content, and uh definitely give him a follow. And uh guys, as always, you know, we're not here to pitch you guys a bunch of shit and bore you to death. We wanna bring badass guests like Bryson on the show. So do us a favor, give us a five star review on, on iTunes. Spotify's got reviews now. Give us some love there. You know how it works, guys. The more reviews yeah. we get, it helps with the algorithm them and uh you know our show can get ranked higher so we can feel really good about ourselves oh, right yeah next right. thing we'll have getting that joe rogan money you know oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah good stuff well bryce uh bryson thank you so much again brother for Amen, uh, be, being on the show i really appreciate your time yeah absolutely fellas i appreciate you having me i'll uh, uh i'll come back uh come back anytime we can talk about anything man i, I definitely want to support you guys and anything that i can do to support you guys as well just let me know i love it i think so I think we'll announce it right now. I'd love to have you in person. Um, like we've got a little studio here. Next time you're in Vegas, you know, maybe crack a brewski or, or two and uh, like talk about the time you got shot and some other crazy shit. So <laughs> Let's dive that, into that's it. what I'd love. Yeah. Selfishly. Listen, you know, be, being an avid poker player, you do not have to twist my arm to go to Vegas. You just <laughs> you just name the date and, uh, and I'll be there. All right, we're, we're going to have one of our team members look at the, uh, the tournament schedule yeah, for the rest the of the year. Schedule. Like, <laughs> what do you hey, listen. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm down. The World Series of Poker starts at the end of May. So uh, yeah, any, any, any time through there, man, or just whenever, man, there's, there's constant poker in Vegas. I oh, could yeah. I could pull up my app right now and I could find a, a nice juicy tournament to go play in today. So just let me know. All right. Love it. Love it. Bryson, you're the man. Thank you again, bro. And uh, winners, you guys have a kick-ass week. Peace.